Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. I'm your host, Mo Muzi. Alongside me, as always, is the three-time NBA champion, BJ Armstrong. And we've got a very special guest for today's episode. On a personal note, I'm excited to see this man back in the league because my friends will be able to tell you on 2K, I block every shot imaginable when I play with this player. <laughs> but more importantly, he's back in the NBA. His team is rolling right now, looking like they're going to be back in the NBA Finals. But more importantly, I'm just happy to see this guy on a personal level back in the league, doing what he does yes. best. Mr. Bismack Biombo, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thank you for having me, man. This is great. Well, it's, it's certainly a pleasure. It's, it's a pleasure to see that smile. You're joining us here. And uh, how you doing? It's, it's always good to see you. You know, you yeah, always. I'm, go- I'm great, man. Today I woke up with an amazing energy. Can't even lie. So I, I feel blessed to be alive and get to see another day. So I'm, I'm amazing, man. Man, you know, you guys just had that big win over the Sacramento Kings in overtime. You really came together, missing a few of your key guys down the stretch. The momentum is there, the momentum's building. There was a lovely stretch between New Year's and All-Star where the team was undefeated every time you stepped on the court. But before that, you took a little bit of time away from basketball. And I was just wondering if you could share with the listeners over here why and the circumstances that took place that you took a little bit of time out to take care of your personal issues that were going on. Uh, I mean, so the reality of it is, you know, uh, I think there's a... As one day I, I just woke up uh, and I just had a feeling I had to go home and uh, and I called BJ when I was actually at the airport. I think I was in New York heading home mm-hmm. and I was like, I just need to go home and take care of my dad. Just I just don't have a good feeling about this. I got to get home. So uh, I went home, I got home, you know, uh, uh, when... Everybody are telling you things are good, but they're really not good, you know, because my dad has always tried to, I guess, protect me from whatever's going on back home and uh, just allow me to, to focus on my brothers and what I'm doing, and the businesses and all that. So uh, he never been in the hospital before. And this is the first time, it, it, you know, it's, it was 60, uh, uh, 62 uh and this, uh, no, 61. And this is the first time they, you know, they call me and they say he's, he's checking into the hospital, you know. Um, my whole life, and I never heard that coming from him. He's one of the strongest men I know. So that's the least I expected from him. At least I die early, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I get home. Uh, but, you know, when, when, when I first got home, you could tell the reaction of people went from being sad to joyful. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we got hope Bismarck is here. You know what I mean? But I just didn't know how bad the situation was. And then once I got to see him, the conditions it was in. So we start finding solutions and how we could bring in doctors. I think one of the first person I also called was Mutombo. I was like, man, do you have anybody at your hospital that, that I can fly in here? Because my dad is not in good condition. And uh, and he uh, recommended me to somebody else. So we start bringing in doctors uh, and machinery locally uh, to try to help them out. Uh, and then, you know, the situation kind of got complicated. Uh, so we feel like it was best to evacuate him and send him to uh, 
uh, Turkey. Uh, so we evacuated him to Turkey and, and uh, things weren't going, uh, was going as we expected and then wasn't going uh, our way. And obviously God has a way of doing things. And, uh, and you know, uh, I think uh, one day I was like, man, I'm too overwhelmed, you know, with this. I just need one day in my bed, you know, and I just need one day to get to sleep in my bed and then I'll come right back here and then I'm going to keep taking care of my man. So, uh, and by then, you know, uh, emotionally, you know, while you're dealing with the problem, everybody around you, there's emotions, you know, that there's, you know, uh, a lot going on, but I could not be emotional. So I took my emotions out of it, you know, and while my dad was alive, every time we have to deal with something, we have a, a tough job to do. There's a task that's difficult uh, during that task. It was always fasting. So during that time, I was always fasting. You know, I was always fasting because I had to stay focused. And uh, his whole thing was, if we can, if we can't deal with the inside, then the outside, is, it's easier. So during that time, I was fasting a lot, but emotionally, I was not there, you know. And when I told my mom, I said, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to land in Miami, sleep in my bed for one night, and then I turn right around, and I'll be here, and then we're going to finish the job. So I got on the plane. Uh, and all my brothers and my sister were pushing, you know, like we're really big believers. And my little sister was having dreams, or my dad is actually telling her that I need to go uh, soon and i was supposed to go on a wednesday and my little sister had a dream and then my dad said uh it would be too late if i go no if i go on a thursday it would be too late so we're going back and forth we're big believer in like the messages because you know of the way my family is so uh long story short uh you know, we all push. So I end up leaving on uh, on a Tuesday. I landed on uh, on a Wednesday. Uh, the night of Wednesday to Thursday, I think it was, uh, I remember it was raining and a lot of crazy thunder. And I'm like, this is unusual, you know. Yes, it's Miami, it's Florida, but this is, it's unusual, you know. And uh, And I went to bed. And just laying in bed, I'm like, man, this feels so good. But then uh, at 2 a.m., I heard a knock on the door. It's like, I keep banging on the door, you know, uh, and and nobody was saying anything. They just keep banging on the door, and I'm like, I turn on the alarm. I make sure everybody went to bed. What's going on? Who hacked the alarm? So I was like, should I go for my phone and just go check the door? And and I remember I flipped my phone. It was a lot of phone calls from the doctors because we put a team of doctors in the U.S. We had a team of doctors in Turkey. And then we also have a team of doctors in Europe that was kind of collaborating and then giving each other advice and how they should proceed uh, about the situation and how they think it was better. Uh, and when I opened the door, when I checked, I, I see the phone calls was doctors and messages. So I'm, 
like, okay, should I answer, open the messages, or just go open the door first? But by then, I just had a feeling that this is it, you know? So I opened the door was Billy, uh, my young brother, and he was just pouring and crying. I said, shit, I think it, it happened. Uh, I had no word for it, you know? I never lost somebody close to me. So it's almost like, you know, in that moment, everything stopped. Like you're going to a different space that you can't explain. It's just like everything is just moving different, you know. Uh, start observing. And, and I had everybody at home. My brothers were at home. Uh, we were just missing my little, um, uh, my, one of my little, uh, my little brother that played soccer was still at school. And one of my little sisters, the last one, she was still at school. So now I'm looking at the ones that I have at home and her, she's at school. And I got to get her back home. I got to get her on a fly. And how is that process going to be without her finding out that, you know, that actually passed away? You know, how am I going to get home safe? That was my concern because she was like the, the protector, you know. My dad always loved her, protected her. So now that was my concern. But at that moment, it's like everything just for a second so now gotta get the other two then finally got her home but when she was already on the way somebody somehow sent a message to her sending uh, their condolences so now she's freaking out and she's asking questions and everybody's job is we gotta stay calm until she get home and her safety means everything to everybody you know so once you got her home, then now you start seeing how everybody was dealing with their own emotions. And and the, the thing about it and the reality is that my dad, even during times like this, he always had to make sure that everything is run properly. And thankful enough, he has taught me a lot about this moment. So now I had to figure out how I can, one, make sure everybody was safe, and then to make sure that everybody could get home safe, you know. So once everybody got home to Miami safe, I had to take them back to Congo. And then we also had to take his body back to Congo for the funeral. I had to take my mom um, back to Congo for the funeral as well. And my little sister that was with my mom back to Congo. So while we're going into that process, you know, I am still in it, like focused. Like my job was, you know, I got to take my dad out and I got to make sure I bring him alive. And now we figure out what's going on from there. Well, that didn't happen. Okay, now I got to make sure that, you know, it's buried the, the, the right way, you know. So uh, once we got home, now I have to go get his body, get it home. Once everybody got home, we got his body home. Now we had to do the funeral. And long story short, uh, the funeral was done. I think once we bury him, uh, it's like you feel the load. Something just unload, you know. And now I'm like, you know, I have to, I have to go home, you know. Uh, I left my family with security and all that. All, 
although they didn't need it, but I just feel like it become now my responsibility to make sure that brothers, my mom, my brothers and sister were actually safe and okay, which is, you know, I had a responsibility of taking care of them, you know, while they were here going to school. But another thing is now making sure that they're actually safe, you know, <laughs> and they're happy and whatever they deal with. So now I become the father, you know. So uh, I got on a plane, got back to Miami. That's when I think that they were of the funeral. That's when I realized, like, my emotion was too overwhelmed. It's almost like it crossed the line. I should have long time ago start figuring out how to pick my spot, you know, just like in a game, like find mm -hmm. your shot and be emotional in those space. But I took it, I took my myself out of it. And once the day of the funeral come, that's where everything started kicking it. And then once the funeral was done, I was like, I really have to get out of here. I think this is this is my limit. So I left, came back to Miami, um, you know, still going through the process of, of adjusting and actually accepting this, you know, because it's something that I didn't want to accept. But one thing that my dad have told me is that we never run away from God. Like we got to run towards him, even in the worst, of, you know, the worst moments of, of our lives, we always have to run away. So, so honestly, uh, I I keep fasting and, and making sure that, you know, I was getting closer to God and and adjusting to this new way of living. So then uh, basketball is also in the picture and I was working out, you know, uh, but the reality of it is I wasn't ready. And I'm thankful to God because, you know, sometimes – um, as human, we think certain ways, right? And the environments that we're in, people want us to play. And, but the reality of it is nobody ever stops and figure out whether or not I was ready to play, include myself. In our environment, we all talk about, I have to play basketball, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody have stopped and say, man, are you actually ready to play basketball? You know? And and I think one day, while all this was going on, uh, you're going to play, you're going to play again, what's going on? I woke up one day, I was going for a drive because I was at the house by myself. I didn't want to be, you know, around anybody. I think I came back the day before my birthday. I didn't want to celebrate my birthday. I just wanted to be by myself. But my brothers, uh, they couldn't let me do that. So they managed to fly in the nights of my birthday because <laughs> we have this uh, this routine where we uh, for the boys we have to someone get them with the cake and stuff so they didn't want to allow me to be by myself on my birthday so they all make the effort uh, uh, to get back the night actually I was like okay tonight is you know my birthday usually we do something but I really don't want to do much and they all ask me questions and I'm like, I'm not doing much. I don't want to do anything. And they, they, they all finally uh, surprised me that they were getting home. And, and it was kind of cool also. But back to the game, it's just that, you know, I don't, I don't think I was ready. And, uh, and God really protected me, including for myself. Because if I would have 
at a time integrate a team, it probably be a disaster because uh, instead of going to the team to add, I think I'll at a time I will I would be taken away from the team because emotionally I was just not ready to be you know in the environment where instead of helping guys now you're taken away from it and you become like a burden where somebody now got to start helping you going through your process. I didn't want to be in that situation. And, and this was this was the end of August, right? Your birthday. So this was just before this, training camp, uh, just before the yeah. season. Yeah, end of, end of August. And then once we start diving into September, you know, like it was like more and more pressure from people. And I remember my dad always said, there is nothing that God never, you know, answered. If he desires for you to be in a place and you feel it in your heart, then get on your knees, fast and pray. So I fasted for nine days and I prayed during those nine days. And when I came out of it, I feel strong and I feel good. And I remember picking up the phone and tell BJ, I said, hey man, the only one I'm going to play basketball is if we find a winning team that's actually going to win a championship. And... uh and my salary this year will be going towards uh, the construction of an hospital. BJ can tell you this. Probably when I tell him that, he's sitting on the other side of the phone. Again. This guy is crazy <laughs> because I don't think we can find this option. <laughs> but I did believe it so much that when I hang out the phone, I felt so good. I've recorded so many videos during that time. You know, I was just recording video things that come to my mind. And one of the video I recorded, uh, I think it was after family dinner, was exactly saying this. I'm going to play. I'm going to play for a winning team. Now, people want to understand it, how it happened, but it's just going to happen. Because in my heart, I feel that this is what I want and this is what I'm going for. Uh, short, uh, uh, longer, it didn't take too long. Then BJ called me back and, you know, so, you know, uh, Phoenix are checking in, and uh, I think we, we'll have a shot at Phoenix, right? So then, you know, I don't want to bring in the name of other teams, but then other teams start calling. It's just <laughs> like, you know, I still got to tell you about these other teams, but I really know what you want to do, you know? So right. uh, I'm going to get by with the other team, but this is what we're going to do. Say, so, you know what? Let's go get it done. And uh, and obviously people are concerned, like, oh, man, you know, Bismarck is going for 10 days. I was never going for 10 days. That was not my commitment to come here to Phoenix. I came to Phoenix to sign for the rest of the season. <laughs> but 10 days uh, was perhaps a practice. And people uh, perhaps were hoping that I was not going to deliver. There's no big moment in Bismarck beyond the career that Bismarck don't deliver. Not one time. Rather it was living Yemen, rather it was Spain, rather it was Hoop Summit, rather it was when I was in Toronto on the big stage. There's no big stage that Bismarck never delivered. I show up when the lights are on and I was way too confident and I'm way too confident this year that, you know, I was like, man, you know, like, and, and before all that happened, you know, God is so amazing because 
it made sure that in my new role of playing with my family, it, all this, me getting back to play happened after all the big moments that was coming in my family. One, which was my brother graduating, uh, getting his master in finance. First time we have somebody graduating in the family without my dad. And this is a few months after it passed. And I'm playing the new role as a dad. And thank God that I had enough time to be there and take care of everything. And then comes New Year's and, 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 and Christmas. First time the family is going through New Year and Christmas. If I would have signed with a team, I would never, those two things would never happen. And, and, and the position that I play now with my family, which now making sure that everybody are good. And just by them seeing me around, at least put a smile on their face, especially in this big moment. So, you know, I'm thankful that I got to spend those time with them and, and just being able to give them a different perspective in life and talk to them. And, uh, and again, when it was time to roll, we got rolling. No looking back. You know, Biz, um, in complete transparency to our listeners here, to our extended family, you know, Biz and I, in our other life, our working relationship, you know, we are agent. Mm-hmm. Biz is, you know, I, I, I work for BizMac, you know, BizMac uh, as an agent client. But Besides that, we, this is family, business family. And I so I've mm-hmm. had opportunity to see this entire process. But one of the things I was always, I was, you know, I had a chance to meet your family, know mm-hmm. your family and, and, and see this. But before we move on, I want to I want to know how did you manage to keep all of this organized? Because, you know, you are the oldest in the family. Mm-hmm. And you had everyone organized throughout this process as you was going through this, because it was, you know, here you talk about it, you, you know, you still have it organized in your mind, but it was complicated because your dad was here to, mm-hmm. to Turkey. You had your, your, yeah. your siblings in school in Miami. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we were going through free agency. By the yeah. way, Biz had all of these things. Mm-hmm. So how has that transition been for you as the oldest and helping everyone else? Because yeah. you did, I mean, look, this is never easy, but you were so incredible at keeping everyone organized mm-hmm. as the older brother mm-hmm. with your mom. And so how did you do that transition? How did you keep that all together? Uh, I mean, I had less hours of sleep. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> right. Uh, especially when I was back home, time changing, you know. Uh, I think at some, at some point I was probably sleeping like two or three hours mm-hmm. a day uh, because, you you know, we have to stay on this Zoom and phone calls, doctors, and then uh, you got to check in and make sure that the brothers are good, and the sisters and what they're going through school-wise. Give them emotional. How many? Support. How many of your siblings are in school currently now, Biz? I mean, because uh, now, now we got uh, we got four of them. So two have graduated. Now it's only four. Yeah. So they all came here. They were still, you know, kids, and now they're evolving into bigs. But uh, uh, but um, yeah, you know, I slept the fewest hours, and I think that's one of the things I got to recognize also. 
And you know, one of the things that helped me because I, at some point, you know, uh, I was just like, man, uh, how am I gonna like, keep pushing? And, and I know there's a limit. Mm-hmm. I know there's a time where I'll, where I'll hit that point where I'm like, this is the time to have some gasoline in the car, you know, the car is going red. And right. I think that time really didn't hit me until he actually passed away, you know. But, you know, my dad uh, taught me a lot on the way maneuver around this thing. So as a firstborn, you know, I was always with him. You know, I, when he do a lot of planning, I was always with him. You know, the, the big moment, you know, and the, the passing of some family member back home, I was always with him, you know. And uh, and along the way, you know, he... he it was making sure that I see what I, what they was doing. Because, you know, we have had times where, you know, everybody in a panic mode, but this guy would show up, totally calm, you know, never up, never down. He had his own pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I had to create that, that pace for myself and go in my own bubble, which... Because if I, if I allow the environment, you know, to kind of, it's almost like you go on autopilot. I know how to do all these things. Now I'm going to meditate pretty much throughout the day as I'm doing these things, but I'm on autopilot, you know. But one time I think I went to the hospital, you know, people always ask me, oh, Bismarck, what are you afraid of? This is before my dad got sick and all that. I mean, I say nothing. Are you afraid of that? Uh, no, nothing. Are you afraid of this? Me? No, nothing. And and I think uh, there's a day that I saw my mom walking out of uh, my dad's room and uh, she was crying. Uh, I look at uh, one of my friends, uh, Zavia, I say, hey man, I think I'm, I'm scared. I've never been scared before. I think I'm scared, I'm afraid, and this is the first time it happened, you know. But this is where I got to realize also, like, there is life. It's not just about basketball, you know. It's not just about getting out there, shooting, hopes you. You have to also understand that, you know, athletes are human beings, and that's where I got really to figure out, you know, like people talk about, like, like the importance of, of mental health and all this. Uh, I, I see guys deal with it, you know, and sometimes I was asking myself, man, we get paid so much money. Like, why do we really have to worry about, you know? And there's times where, you know, I'm like, damn, we're really, really athletes and we have to accept this side of being emotional, you know? But to me, it happened when my dad passed, where I actually had to sit back and say, damn, like, there is really life happening. And life is not just about getting out there and shooting basketball and make money, you know. So that's kind of the reality. I think I managed to just, just take myself out of the equation, perhaps, and then, you know, handle what I needed to handle. And then saying there'll come a time where I'm going to need to check myself in and then that time, you know, kind of happened when when I could actually see that, man, 
this man is really gone. You know, even if, even when I start playing, he used to stay up at 3, 4 a.m. And, and send me text messages before games. Every game, he sacrificed himself. And sometimes I ask him, I say, hey, man, we're in Congo. How the hell are you keeping up with this, you know? And, and he was always so motivated to send these messages before games. Good games, bad games. Sometimes we call you after games. Uh, and, uh, and when I went back to play, like, even that first day going back to play, to me, it was still like, oh, shit. There's no more text messages coming. You know, you have the habit of picking up the phone and check the phone. And you, you check that. There's, there's no more of that coming in. You know, there's no more late night conversation when you land in. You know, so because it was everything, you know, uh, we got to develop uh uh, father and son relationship. We got to develop a uh, 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 friendship. He became like a mentor, you know, like just like a lifetime coach, you know. And I think uh, a few days ago, uh, somebody that I took home to, you know, when I do this basketball camp to record videos, right? And and one of the things they asked him because they did an interview with him. One of the things they asked him, they said, man. How did you feel when your first son was living? He said, I felt the same way as I was losing my dad. So I said there, I said, man, like, this guy was just too committed. You know, my life was always, a, my life was, his life was about me. We got to make sure that Biz and his brothers and sisters are good. So that's why I was like, man, you know, when I, when I feel that need, that motivation to play again, and I ask myself a lot of questions before I make that phone call to BJ, uh, I, man, I dig deep down, man. I really had to dig deep down because the sacrifice, he spent his own money for me to chase my dreams, believe so much in my dreams that he was willing to spend his own money, you know. He sacrificed his own peace because nobody agreed with me living. And at the time, you know, even my mom was not okay with it because I was the oldest in the family, you know, and, and I was so young too. So, but for him, it was like, look, we have a vision, but what we're doing today, people will not understand, but some days they will understand what, the why we were doing. It. And long enough, when I made it to the NBA, then you know, the perspective changed. And I think it would have been too sad for me to give up on basketball and I would have let him down if I wasn't committed to play basketball again. And I think for me this year was, you know, this man I've done so much for me, for others, and I'm going to be committed to this game, rather it's my workouts and playing games and the desire to win something because I want to make this year about him. And quite frankly, God will win a championship. You know, I want to be able to take this championship back to his grave. And because my dad and I, every time he visits me, we hope he doesn't drink, but we always open one bottle of wine. So I hope I get to do that uh, this summer. Or win a championship. 
Um, <laughs> I, I hope you you could achieve that as well. The resilience that you've shown to be able to get back on the basketball court after going through everything that you've gone through is is commendable. It's the ultimate show of strength. And I think it's so amazing how you're dedicating your entire salary from this season to building a hospital back home in Congo. But you've been doing a lot of work over the over the years of giving back in your home country. You've got the schools, yeah. the basketball academies, the football, or BJ would call it a soccer academy, but we call mm-hmm. it football. So we call it football on this podcast. <laughs> the football academies, the basketball academies, and other hospitals. Just can you tell us about the foundation and you know, what inspired you to start that in the first place, your father's involvement with that, getting it up and running years ago and, and what you hope to continue is your legacy? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the foundation, you know, we started just like a basketball camp. I think we had like 25 kids. That was kind of the beginning of the foundation. Um, we just had desire, you know, my, you know, I was struggling, sleeping, and I'm trying to figure out I want to go home and I do something. And one day I woke up, I uh, told my, uh, uh, our equipment manager at the time, I was like, hey, man, do you have any gear uh, that I could take home to the kids or give me some gears? And then I, uh, excuse me, I went and bought some shoes and then got on a plane. I called my brothers and said, hey, man, just find me 25 kids that kind of know how to play basketball. I want to teach them fundamentals. I'll be the coach, I'll be the DJ, I'll pack my speaker, get home, have a camp, first day, amazing. And I was struggling, sleeping for like two weeks. Then I went to sleep like a kid, man, laying in bed, going, woke up in the morning, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then uh, uh, the next day kind of happened, so I talked to my parents, then uh, and my dad and my mom at the time, were like, maybe this is something you should look into it. But my dad, for him, it was like, we have to do it <laughs> because we'll be able to help a lot of people and we're in a position to do so, you know. Uh, so uh, I came back, I called, uh, called BJ and then BJ reached out to Jordan Brand. They're like, yeah, we'll support, you know, we could, we could give we could give you a gear for 100 kids. I was like, oh, perfect. We went from 25 to 100 kids. And then that was only Lubumbashi. Then we did uh, two cities, Kinshasa and Lubumbashi. Then we went to Goma. Then it became an habit where we do these three cities, find the best kids, give them scholarships uh, to come to the U.S., go to school. And and then from there, you know, start going back and forth. We can't keep taking these kids out of here. We somehow got to let them live their dreams, go in good schools and just be close to the loved ones while they're accomplishing the dreams. Because like, like my situation was like, all right, you're going to take this road and you're going to be by yourself and you're going to figure life out. And I think it's not an experience that you want to see kids go through, but I think my situation that had to happen so that we could do what we're doing today, you know, and I'm grateful for, for the journey. So, um, then we started jumping into uh, building schools and outdoor uh, basketball court because we thought it was a good idea to give this kid somewhere to just be kids and have fun, you know. And um, I, and and once we built our first school, then I was working on a second school. My dad was running uh, most of uh, uh, 
know most. My dad was running my foundation back home. And while I was watching his interview a few days ago, uh, just to see, like, the things that he has said, uh, his whole thing was, like, if I don't help my kids with the job that needs to be done, who is going to do it for him, you know? So uh, he... I think at some point it was just like, I don't want to work. I just want to help you with your foundation, whatever you need to be done here. And at this point in my life, made a living. The guys are great. Just want to help them. So it was overviewing the whole foundation. And then at some point, you know, we start doing uh, um, like medical equipment donations into hospitals and clinics and refurbishing some clinics, and, uh, different department of hospitals. And what really hit me, that's why I wanted to build an hospital, uh, was when my dad was in a situation where I was like, man, I thought we were really like doing enough. And clearly this was not enough because I, can, I, can, I can't save my own dad in this environment, you know. And there's like one doctor per, um, I think it's a 0.28 for every 10,000. So there's pretty much... <laughs> like survival mode every day from people because there's no way you could have one doctor for every 10,000 people. Like there's, it's mission impossible. So, so uh, from there, you know, I think, you know, when I did committed my salary this year, I thought it was a great idea because my dad has serviced a lot of people. And, uh, and I've always said the goal is not to live forever, but to live something that will hopefully live forever. And I think the hospital is a way that I think I could, one, honor him and give him something that will continue to service people and, and save lives uh, because he believed in, in the dream of his son. And, uh, and, and, you know, people get to uh, perhaps uh, live in a better condition because he had a dream and desire, you know, to carry life differently than other people because what my dad did for me and my life, my career, me chasing my dreams, it's unusual in Africa. In Africa, it's school. You have to finish school before you leave. And at least at a time, you know, I don't know how things are now, but, um, you know, that's kind of what we, we dive into. Uh, we have academies that we put in place on just to make sure that these kids were at least they had a home, you know. I think, to me, the the goal was, you know, the amount of time that I'm playing, and you know, the time that I have here on Earth, I have to be able to make uh, an impact on society, an impact on my generation, um, and give enough tools to the next generations, um, because you know they have to do at some point better than we're doing, but. We can't just tell them you got to do better than we're doing if we don't become the example for that generation. You know, if we don't give them enough tools, we, we really have to give them some guidance, you know. And I think, uh, you know, through the foundation, the work we do, which we're going to continue to do, uh, is just to also find ways to make sure that the next generation see how it could be done and how they could perhaps improve in certain areas because I think some days I'll have to stop. But by the time I stop, I want to make sure that the impact that we have made was just enough and 
hey, listen, when my turn is up to leave this world, I want to be able to look back from the other side and say, you know what? We did a pretty damn good job. You know, I right. think that's, <laughs> that's what my dad feels right now. You know, Biz, uh, you know, in listening, living this here with you, there's two things that I've been waiting for the right time. And I didn't know when was the right time to say this, but out of all the people I've met over my years, you are one of the most focused. When you set your mind to do something, like people say mm-hmm. a lot of things, but you are one of the most focused <laughs> people I've ever met in my life. And, and I've always admired that about you. But listening to you say this again, two things really stand out. And it was interesting to hear you say it again is one, I remember vividly and we were talking daily and all the things and you were traveling. And I remember you said just out of nowhere, you said, you know, I'm not going to get those text messages anymore from my dad. I remember when you said that. That was one of the things. And to hear you say that again. And then the second thing is we have a nickname that we call each other big money. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of like, it's, it's not yeah. just me and biz. It's like the family, right? Everyone calls me yeah. big money. I call them big money. They call me big time. It's kind of an inside joke yeah. that we all here have with one another. And I remember when you made the decision of the type of life you wanted to have and the relationship you wanted to have with the team and mm-hmm. with the team that you were going to go move for. Cause at the time you were a free agent and you had made this decision yeah. that I need to take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. now that you've made that decision, I remember that because it was like, I remember you just kind of said these things, you know, you were, and you were saying things, but those two things I vividly remember. And to hear you say it again, and I didn't know how important it was to you, but it was just, it stood out to me. Now that you've made this decision with Phoenix and now that you've, you know, you've, you're, you're here, talk about that relationship that you wanted to have with an organization here and how important, because it appears to be on the outside. And now I, I get a chance to live it. You know, I get a chance to see you and talk, but share with us how important this relationship has been and your decision with the Phoenix Suns? I think the decision with the Phoenix Suns was one easier to me because from one side, you know, uh, the coach, you know, yes. the coach um, back then when he lost his, his, um, his wife, uh, I was like, man, I really have to be in an environment with somebody know what this means from a coaching perspective, you know, because if you go to a coach that I've been around coaches that don't give a damn about players and they'll tell them even to the face, at least you're a star on the team. I've been around that in this league. And it's sad to say, but to me, I've been watching and no Monty, I think uh, we met for the first time in South Africa. Uh, basketball at our borders. You know, it was like, yeah, take my number, anything you ever need, you could reach out, you know. Uh, uh, that's kind of where I got to meet him. I said, man, it need to be cool to play for this coach someday, right? And he said, I read, in, uh, 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 somebody told me, a reporter, he said the same 
anything about me. Like, this is the kind of player I want to coach some days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, our life worked too. But I think coming to an organization where a coach know what it feels like to be in this situation and to have a GM that's played in the league, I've competed against, I think to me it was no-brainer. Because, you know, from one side, you get a real human being from a coach that's going to be transparent, honest with you. Not going to tell you the BS of the league, uh, but it's going to be straightforward. And a player who also has been in the player issues, which is going to be straightforward with you. And I think for me as a player, when I'm in an environment where I can feel that, hey, man, this guy care about me, not just as somebody that paid to do a job, but as a person, oh, you better believe I'm going to give you 150% when I'm on the floor. You better believe that. You really better believe that. And, and, and obviously on the other side, there's uh, CP3 who I've known from working with, um, uh, with the union. He was a, a yep. president. I was a vice president. Congratulations, just, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> little thank politics you. here. A little politics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Vin, you know, Vin's got reelected. So, you know, we got to yeah, say congratulations, yeah. you know. Congratulations. That's, that's big time. Uh, that's, that's big time. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's what we call him. Big time. He's big time, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm appreciative of that, man. Shows how much uh, respect perhaps I get among my, you know, uh, my fellow, uh, uh, my ex-teammates, uh, people that I compete with, all of them, you know, it's a lot of appreciation. Uh, but yeah, so coming to Phoenix to me was just, was just an easy decision where it's like, man, they have done something special. And, and I think I remember, I watched the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't practice with Phoenix. At all, zero practice. And when I was supposed to go and join a team, and I watched half of the game, uh, probably like third quarter, fourth quarter, and then uh, um, I texted BJ, I said, oh, I see. Mm. Are you watching yep. the game? I see. Yeah. I see something here. You called me at halftime. <laughs> I, <remember that. laughs> yeah. I was like, I see something. And then uh, um, I watched, like, during the whole time I was away, I watched two games. And the two games were the few possible teams. And I called BJ, I said, what do you think? But with Phoenix, I watched half a game, and I was like, I see. Now let's go to work, you know. And I, I walk in the locker room. You know, it's like one of those where it seems like you've been around already. And then Mikael Bridges was already saying, no, busy. And I don't know where they got that from, you know. <laughs> and then he said, son, one day he was at home. He said, no, busy, no Bismarck. Interesting. Huh? No busy, no Bismarck. They kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> so I walk in the locker room, everybody, no busy, no busy. I said, guys, what's going on? I just walked in here. And you guys had a nickname figure. I said, no. Seems like we knew you were gonna be here. You know, right. it seems like we knew somehow the universe know that, you know. So uh I got to the team in uh in, in Charlotte. Yep. Uh I go, 
I did my workout just to shut off uh, the, the travel and the Tell plane. them what time you had to get on the plane, Biz. Tell them what time you had to get I, on I the plane for the that. Plan. 6 a.m. And it was, <laughs> this was New Year's Eve, man. Oh, man. So, yeah. so it was it was unbelievable. You got to give this. He's the most focused person I know. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. New Year's Eve, I ain't getting on no plane at six a.m. I'm gonna tell you. Six a.m. Uh, uh. No, I'll tell you, man. I'll tell you. And uh, and I was with my brothers. You know, I was just hanging out with them. My brother Billy said, "Man, you need to go to sleep, man. You gotta catch the plane. I know it's New Year's New Year's Eve. We're hanging out. You gotta go." I said, "Man." Just don't worry about that. You worry about enjoying the night, have fun, family time. I'll take care of the rest, you know. He said, man, but you're not going to practice and all that. I said, Billy, just trust me, man. I've done enough work. Now I got to get to working. And long enough, I walked in there, first game, everybody like, oh, damn. Uh, yeah. We like it, Biz. <laughs> it worked out. This man traveled with, listen, he was on the, you met the team on the road. We didn't even know yeah, how you were going to get clothes. We didn't know yeah. how he was going to get shoes. No. All we knew is I he had bags. a game. He had two bags <laughs> and he had a game. And what he's going through behind the scenes yeah. is nothing short of incredible. Uh, and, and it's a testament so. to you. But it's yeah. been unbelievable oh. to watch. <laughs> Most definitely. And he made an instant impact with the Phoenix Suns. He had some big yeah. performances as soon as he got to the team. He's playing like he's been yeah. there all season long. So, Bismarck, we don't want to yeah. take up too much of your time. We appreciate you joining us. Don't worry. I got tested after that quick, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's another story. That's another story, Biz. Biz, he put so up 17 that's and 12. Man, listen. Even my own teammates said, it's no way. It's no uh, way you were, you were down in Miami and come here and play like this. Yeah. Okay. It was so funny. <laughs> Remember all the questions? We had, like, every team yeah. in the league. We went from, like, what team? To every team in the league. Oh, I need yeah. I need a big who can rip protect and all that. So, you know what? It's been great, yeah. man. Hey, love you. It's been great. Man. Hey, congratulations wow. for the rest of the year. I know you guys are focused. And thanks yeah. for, you know, taking the time, Biz, today and sharing your story and uh, all the wonderful work you're doing here yeah. the Phoenix, in the Phoenix community and whatever community you play in, but back home as well with your family. Yeah. And um, it's a true inspiration. You know, we'll get back to. Uh, yeah. As, no. with, without I, I, question. You know, this is this is my guy. Big time. You know, this is this is time. a big time. <laughs> big time. <right> here. <laughs> no, man. I, I mean, to be honest, just to add something before we shut it down, uh, you know, when I came to Phoenix, I only had the expectation like, okay, you know, I'm relying on the coach and the GM, right? But throughout this process of me donating and how they want to help me, yeah. like, with more and how much they dedicate themselves to just make sure that we could get whatever we needed from whether it was the funding, whether it was the you know finding doctors and you know they played in the, in the in the arena to make sure the fans knew about it they put it yes i've been with teams and bj can say this i never see one team never do what they're doing that's right for obviously people of congo that they don't even know they're never gonna meet in their lives you know so it's it's it speak for what their organization is and what they're trying to accomplish. So that's 
it's exciting. Again, I think we got a shot at doing this, and God will, will do it. So I can open this nice bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful, man. Absolutely. Like, we're wishing you the best of luck for the rest of the season. I've got no doubt you're going to continue to achieve great things. Wishing you and your family all the best. Our prayers and condolences are with you. Wishing you strength and great health, oh, great you. fortune. And, you know, hopefully yes. we can have you back on the show and you can show off your championship ring this summer. We wish you yeah. all the best for the rest yes, of the season. Yes, that would be... Keep doing what you do, and uh, hopefully you part yeah, these big yeah. numbers and you continue yeah. to keep going, man. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you to everyone at home who listened. If you can help support what Bismarck's trying to do in Congo in any way, please do reach out if you have anyone, because we know we've got listeners all over yeah. the world. So if anyone listening them. to yeah. this can help, Bismarck, can you give us where people can reach out to if they are able to help in any capacity? So, uh, on all my social media, Bismarck Biombo, there's a website that's there. It's a website of my foundation. Uh, it has all of the work we do, all the information and how you can donate. Uh, so we've put the website out there. Uh, and obviously people can always reach out to me uh, through this social media channel. You know, I'm open to it. But again, this year is a commitment. And, uh, yes. and I think, you know, as everybody play a role, big or small in this, we'll be able to save a lot of lives, not just do something yes, for my dad, but being able to save a lot of lives. I think that's the main goal here. And if you guys do head over to the foundation website and donate, Send me a screenshot and I will match your donations to Bismack's foundation. Yes. Bismack. Yes. We will match those donations that our listeners send in. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you once again. Thank you to all of our listeners. We'll see you guys tomorrow. And much like the man Bismack Biombo over in Phoenix right now, make sure you get buckets.